Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato major to approved Eric Marchin. What? <laughs> Doc, we've been recording for like three and a half hours. We've been so. talking about Batman for, for yeah. forever now. Not yeah. Batman forever, but <laughs> it's a Friday night. I'm hopped up on pizza and Starlight Coca-Cola, and we are reviewing Damien Powers No Exit, uh, starring Havana uh, Rose Liu, uh, Danny Ramirez, David Reistall, Dale Dickey, uh, Mila Harris, Dennis Haysbert, uh, and more. Eric, how are you doing on this Friday night? We've been talking for four hours, but Matt, I mean, I'll ask how am again. I doing? We're about to review No Exit. That's how I'm yeah. doing. Yeah. So the, No Exit is a uh, Hulu, uh, our 20th Century Studios produced movie uh, that is premiering on Hulu in the United States and Disney Plus Star here in Canada. Uh, it is available now uh for you guys to watch if you so please or if you're here to figure that out stay tuned but spoilers eric and i are on the same page that's not spoilers you'll find out (laughs) 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 you'll find out i'm not giving it away yet you gotta listen to at least 10 more minutes before they're gonna say 10 more seconds (laughs) that's true that is also true um eric it, it just imagine you know a snowy a snowy, uh, isolated place. It's the middle of maybe it's getting cold out. Um, you're sitting in a, um, a cold place and you're at Toronto after dark, maybe a midnight madness movie at TIFF, but that's basically what no exit kind of feels like. Uh, let's get into it. Eric, what the hell is no exit? Yeah. So no exit is based on Taylor Adams's novel of the same name. It's a mystery thriller that is also kind of capitalizing on the recent trend of whodunits, even though it kind of abandons that concept about halfway through the film. Thir- well, not even halfway through the movie, like 30 minutes in, it kind of, you know, shows its hand. Um, but essentially what it is, 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 you know, a kind of murder mystery where the story is um, revolving around a recovering drug addict who is basically given one last chance at this center that she's at right now. Cause it's either, you know, go to rehab or be in jail. Um, But her mother, she finds out through a call from a friend um, had a brain aneurysm and she's in the hospital and the staff will not let her leave. So she escapes and starts to head to Salt Lake city. She's uh, the center that she's at is Mm -hmm. in uh, Sacramento. Um, And on the way, uh, she gets derailed because there is a snowstorm. So she ends up staying at a visitor center. Classic New Zealand snowstorm. Exactly. Because this movie was shot uh, in New Zealand. And uh, no, it does not look like a Lord of the the Rings film. Um, But it could have been shot anywhere because most of it does take place within a single location, which is this visiting center that's kind of a... Um, a a forest kind of like ranger park kind of thing. Um, And so when she gets there, she uh, meets uh, some other people that have taken shelter. Uh, People like Dennis Haysbert and Dale Dickey's couple who are going to Reno uh, to do some gambling. You have kind of a weird, basically eccentric type who's kind of off 
to himself named Lars. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, we have a guy who's kind of sleeping and wakes up, played by uh, mm-hmm. Danny Ramirez. And all of them are kind of just killing time, waiting for the storm to subside and move on with their life. And as they're kind of, you know, doing a little bit of small talk, you know, trying to distract themselves and find Wi-Fi if there is any. Um, We have Darby, the main character, who's played by uh, Havana Rose Lou, going outside looking for bars. She comes across a van with uh, Nevada license plates and finds out that there is a young girl trapped in the van. And so she then decides to play Hercule Poirot and try to deduce who is uh, the kidnapper. Um, a series of more frustrating and convoluted plot twists and turns and lazily constructed uh, flashbacks make this movie one of the most aggravating uh, adaptations I've seen in some time where, you know, these movies, even if they're not great, are usually disposable entertainment and fun. I found this to be not only a chore, but also... I got to call BS like the game that they're playing on how a lot of the supporting that characters is play so on the nose. Yeah. I play basically like act towards a recovering addict. So in, in this opening sequence where you have her, you know, during kind of um, a session with other members and she gets this phone call um, from a guy named Joe who we're not really sure is maybe it's her sister's, partner or something like that but anyways her sister has had a falling out with her and and so has her mother and you learn that you know they've been estranged for some time she gets a call that the mother has had a brain aneurysm and that it is a life or death situation but the orderly who gets the call and tells her that it's an emergency call to come and get it says okay well you can't leave the only way you can leave is if we uh, clear you to go through your doctor who by the way is uh, off duty and it's a Friday so he probably won't be back until Monday uh, but if your mom dies between now and then and, and it is real um, and we can't take your word for it but if it is real you can't sue us or anything like that which is like a complete fucking bullshit because I'm sorry like I understand that I you go know off. Yeah, that cool. the libel you know like quality of like okay people that go into rehabs have to sign certain agreements and stuff like that. And, you know, they want to keep them from either getting high outside of the facility or, you know, bring things back in or, or, or when it comes to trust. But if you have a life or death situation where a family member dies, there's gotta be like this legal area where it's like, okay, well, if you held this person in from seeing somebody that died, you know, like they can probably sue you. Yeah, I don't know, but um, I, I get what you're saying. The movie is just ridiculous. Like, yeah. it, it's just, I don't know. It, you could, I could see people just being like, "Well, it's just disposable entertainment. It's 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 short. It's derivative. It's it's feel formulaic. Like, and and all of those things sound like negatives. But sometimes that's just kind of all you want from a movie like this. But I don't know. I just found it kind of grating as well, where I'm just like at every corner, I was kind of like, oh, my God. All right. Like, I, and it just felt very 
like I don't want to be too mean to the movie, but like it it felt like amateurish, like to the point of almost student filmy at times. And like I know some of the kind of like lower budget kind of thriller movies can can have that kind of vibe and some of them can be fun. Um, and, you know, I said Toronto After Dark and even Midnight Madness, which I, is a program I love, but it programs a, a lot of stuff that, you know, can be like this movie that can go one way or the the other. It can be like a short 90 minute like, OK, that wasn't great, but I had a fun time watching it with a crowd kind of thing. Um, or it can be something like what this movie is, where I was kind of just rolling my eyes at it and going like, it's kind of ugly looking like everything from the snow to the set to the like to the cinematography just felt cheap and flat. Like none of the snow felt believable. Like even like, you know, uh, criticize Quentin Tarantino as much as you want. But like, I felt like it was fucking freezing in that cabin in, in hateful eight because he made it fucking freezing in that cabin in hateful eight. And like, I'm sitting looking at her in the car and I'm like, why like little things, nitpicky things of going like, like why isn't her breath like showing it, it, that outside or in the car things like that and then like i i found like every twist you mentioned that is not really a twist but then there is a twist that like it's the obvious choice but then to make throw you off there's like there's a second but you twist didn't see and that a, one coming and then a th- which you will see it all coming that's yeah. what i mean by formulaic and like if you've seen one of these movies you've seen them all and sometimes you just want like something easy to watch like that but like i just felt like um, I, none of the acting was believable. Um, it was never all that entertaining. Um, it was just kind of ugly and cheap looking. And then on, on top of that, I just felt like some of it was kind of like, I would roll my eyes at it of like, even the smash cut when she's leaving the, the facility to the no exit title card or the, some of the editing choices that, um, the match felt, cutting. Yeah, the match cutting I just did not love of like her, you know, you know, the Chekhov's we joke cocaine. Chekhov's cocaine. Um, when she's in the bathroom showing you that she has this baggie of cocaine that, that she's she found in the car to, that she stole yeah, out of rehab. Of course. Um and that she's trying not to, you know, uh you know, uh use. And um so Well, even that is is is, is str- like what yeah. is what is like the 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 morality of this film is so weird because the way that they portray Darby, and like that's the other thing that drives me nuts. So her last name is Thorn, and she's a thorn in the side of the kidnapper. <laughs> sure. Um but yeah. but the thing that bothers me about it is that the way she is portrayed in the first scene of the film and the way that they set her up is that we're going to see maybe or learn at least how the character, you know, has done some questionable things in the past based on being addicted to every drug under the sun. She's a user maybe, you know, with, with having done, um, done some horrible things and burnt some bridges over time and and we think like okay like this story the way that it's going to play out you're going to see what she did or she'll talk about it more and she'll open up about it but there's never anything that's really kind of like oh wow that this this really is a redemption story as well as a murder mystery or not, not murder mystery but a, a, a mystery thriller like you think like oh okay like this is working as a character study for her to kind of like redeem herself in some way but she never really does at least in in the movie has anything that I would say is awful other than just kind of being a recovering addict. And then the way that it uses 
you know, Chekhov's cocaine in, in a certain is act. the worst, dude. Like, is going against without, the whole point yes. of its morality. It's without spoiling anything, but they like almost use it as this like positive super strength kind of thing. Like she has to use to finally get the bad guys and, and stuff like that, which is just in so a last un- case scenario. Is this like, is what you is have like, to do. It's so gross when you're tackling that kind of stuff. And I think that was like when the movie crossed a line for me where it was just like, all right, this isn't just fun, disposable kind of. And it wasn't fun up to that point, but it it, it could have been maybe. But uh, that was where it really hammered eh, home. Um, it's not really hammered, but it's a, a nail gun. But like Nailed really, uh, <laughs> um, that this movie was just like, all right, uh, you're uh, again that that to me that decision with the cocaine in in the last act is just not super 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 great but like it's just so formulaic and i've seen this movie like a million times and it's just it's hard at this point like unless you do something differently or you know even the twists and turns that they throw in like i feel like they're not even trying very hard it's like i maybe if you did a single location who napped it like who was the kidnapper kind of thing could have been fun kind of like the hateful eight or something like that but like um and any other you know single location style mystery but um they kind of right away like even with the playing the bullshit game like the card game which is so on the nose and then you're like oh oh that okay it seems pretty obvious that it's probably like that person has to be a red herring (laughs) you're like oh oh, okay (laughs) that was a decision and then you're like oh this is probably what's gonna happen you're like okay that that's exactly what happened and i feel like you just go through the motions really and like I just sat there basically stone faced and I was like, all right, very predictable, very formulaic, you know, mystery thriller, not even mystery, just thriller. Um, It's only a mystery up until you're introduced to all the characters and you find out that the girl is in the van. And then once the game is being played, the game of, of BS of bullshit, it's, it's automatically revealed like, okay, this is how it's going to go. And, and what you were mentioning with the red herring, it's like, okay, well it had, because it seems so obvious that the, it had to be a red. Yeah. Herring. The way that these movies are made, there's always the person or situation that throws you off to make you question the most logical answer. And then it gives up on that completely. And instead of continuing on like the mystery of solving who it is, it just, it just throws like a very it throws one ridiculous twist after another and then it has one of the worst flashback scenes i have ever seen and how lazily inserted it is like the editors must have just been like really we're just going to throw this in here well, like that disney didn't give them any extra money to do any of that um, <laughs> like, yeah it's just no it's way. so bad and like i normally really like dale dickey and uh dennis haysbert and like dale dickey who um is a character actor and she's been in a ton of stuff like she's really really good in winter's bone she was recently in palm springs uh as the bartender she always plays bit parts and when she gets a bigger role in a movie it's it's nice to see her kind of like you know get to act alongside you know either seasoned vets or up-and-coming actors and and she has a great presence here 
if I hadn't seen her in all the other stuff that, that I've seen her in, I would say that she's terrible. And everybody, yeah. except maybe Dennis Haysbert, who's not great, but Dennis Haysbert maybe has just a, a great voice a and, presence. I just, yeah. and I like him in general. Um, but he would be better off just doing more Allstate commercials than doing this movie because he's given nothing to do. And the performances are yeah, so flat there. and boring <laughs> and they're it, the, the, the plot is predictable. The storytelling is generic. The direction is on autopilot. Um, it's mean spirited to the lead character to the point where you're like, like every opportunity where she's supposed to get the upper hand or kind of like figuring things out. It always kind of sides more with, the villains of the piece and it's kind of weird that it always kind of like it's like oh you think she has the upper hand no we're gonna make it worse for her and we're going to torture her in horrible ways because she's a recovering addict and this is a redemption story but there's not a lot that we know about her to say that she's done really anything horrible and the one moment we have of like why the sister and the mother are estranged from her isn't really a good enough reason for no. her to be kind of you know again a flawed character and it's just weirdly structured and designed that way in terms of its the character arc and it's so brutal and cruel to her it's just and and even the, the 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 child involved in it kind of felt like oh like this is really badly put together in terms of her being a pawn in this situation and then the thing that drove me nuts and i don't want to judge somebody based on one performance but uh david risedahl as lars is so obnoxious i know i spent a lot of time tonight talking about uh paul dano but um <laughs> this performance as lars who he's basically looks like wes anderson cosplaying as a lumberjack uh is terrible like is absolutely not even a caricature it's worse than that like it's like it's it's somebody that you would see in like a bad snl sketch playing you know a a, a weird kind of one-off it's Twin almost Peaks satirical character. but it's not <laughs> yeah and and it's done in a way that like i don't know if it was a disconnect between like the actor maybe not really connecting with the role or maybe damian power who directed the film wanted to get this kind of performance out of him but it, it's it's just bad like it's to the point where like this character not only takes you out of the film it makes you resent the entire movie just based on how he acts and how like again he's supposed to kind of be pathetic and weird and uh, and 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 sort of you know again a red herring but he's just so grating and this whole movie suffers because of this fucking character sorry it's just, it's no so, i don't have so any bad. i i agree with you completely like um like I even was his tell like it's like oh like you know you're setting something up here where it's like oh everybody has a tell and like this is going to come back later and it really doesn't and and the way that like his character behaves and acts even though yes there are people that have, are antisocial or, or have social problems with social skills it's so exaggerated and over the top it's just it's 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 so cringeworthy yeah i agree i totally agree um i don't really have much more to say i don't either other than it was not good uh, yeah um is it it's it's not even really worth 
a streaming watch, in my opinion. Like, Unless you're a completist like, for these kind of movies yeah. and you want to watch them all. But again, it's not even necessarily a complete whodunit. It kind of abandons that concept 30 minutes into the movie. And it becomes a pretty formulaic, you know, bad guys are trying to outsmart the good guy and, and vice versa kind of thing in a single location. So yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, some people might give it a soft pass and like, I, I don't know if there's anything like egregiously, you know, horrible other than maybe like, you know, the portrayal of Lars and, and, and stuff like that. And but also just, recovering addict is that well part. And, yes. Yeah. Sorry. I, I take that back immediately. That part with the cocaine and how they handle uh, being a recovering addict and how they use that as a, you know, a plot point and like a, a big part of the finale is not super great. So that is egregiously bad. But like the rest of it is just kind of like, all right, go, let's go through the motions. <laughs> and like, yeah. and that's the kind of movie that this is. And, um, you know, I think it fits for streaming, I guess, but um, I'd barely, barely recommend unless you really love, you know, again like eric said like these style of movies or the genre but even then like i don't know i'm gonna give it a two it's fine. yeah and i'm being generous like, with the two you are like and eric's lowest is usually unless you really hate something yeah hey, i saw texas chainsaw um, massacre and i gave that one so oh i haven't watched it yet i just haven't gotten around to it but um, thank you all for listening or watching uh we really do appreciate it uh please go check out our other reviews that we have up right now which would be i'm thinking we're doing this all out of order so it have to be i got to be careful um because everything is back we will have tonight. reviews coming up for the batman we're turning red and, and the batman red. next yep. week so stay tuned for those those are coming next week but you can listen or watch the uncharted review as well as death on the nile and five cream uh go check two those of those out. are actual um, whodunit movies or mm-hmm, whodunit mm-hmm. adjacent films yeah that actually try to trick you <laughs> Yeah. Um. Neither do like a great job at one that. One of them has like, a great origin story about a mustache. Mustache. Though, and yes. it's Fit. Scream Five. <laughs> Ghostface stash. And then the 116th episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast, where we talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Jackass Forever, um, and other things. We also had a multi-trailer madness recently. Oscar nominees, Greg Miller from Kind of Funny. So you guys can check out all the backlog episodes of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Speaking of Greg Miller, he wasn't on this episode, but I went over to Kind of Funny to do the Kind of Funny screencast, which you guys can check out right now as well, where I was with uh, Tim Geddes and Joey Noel chatting about some other TV shows, uh, sticking with the Hulu and uh, Disney family. Uh, we talked about Pam and Tommy. Uh, we also talked about uh, After Party. Um, we talked about Murderville. We talked about uh, Last One Laughing Canada, other things like that. So go check out that episode. Just search for Kind of Funny Screencast on YouTube or podcast services for this show. Untitled Movie Reviews, Untitled Movie Podcast, same places, YouTube and podcast services, or just go to our one-stop shop, which is at Letterboxd at Untitled underscore movies uh as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. and i'm eric march and you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 until next time <sighs> lars